From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. This podcast also brought to you by my book. If you have any interest in Judaism, the Bible, or the roots of Christianity, awesome. Buy the book. If you don't, buy one for your crazy uncle who's into conspiracy theories or your pastor, priest, rabbi, rabbi, shaman, whoever. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to it. This is the Notre Dame preview. The season is here. We can celebrate. And if you're listening to this and you haven't already gone over to Patreon and taken a look at the uh, two videos that I posted there. So I posted one uh, looking at some of Mackenzie Milton's plays from the Auburn game back in 2017. Is it, well, the 2018, I guess it was, what, New Year's Eve uh, 2018, I believe, or 2017, but uh, from the 2017 season, looking at uh, what he brought to the table as a healthy thrower and as a healthy quarterback. And then uh, another video looking at uh, the last time Mike Norvell faced uh, Notre Dame's new defensive coordinator, who has brought uh, some scheme changes and other things to the... uh, to the table for Notre Dame. So, and that's uh, Marcus Freeman, who was the defensive coordinator under Luke Fickle at Cincinnati back when uh, Mike Norvell was at Memphis. So they got to face each other quite a bit with comparable talent. So that uh, that actually is, is saying, you know, that, that gives you a good good idea of how of what they like to do against each other and, and some things to expect. So we looked at a few of those things in that video and uh, we'll work from there. Uh, also going to try to break uh, do a breakdown next week of the Notre Dame game after that video hits. So let's get to it. Uh, this is this is an interesting game to me for a lot of reasons. And uh, if it was Notre Dame from last year, if it was the Notre Dame team that, that Florida State played last year, this would be a pretty short preview in terms of, well, you know, their offensive line is a lot better than Florida State's defensive front. They're going to push Florida State around. They're going to be able to rush for, you know, 200 plus yards. And, you know, Florida State's going to have tr- trouble staying in the game there. And, you know, in terms of their defense, they're good enough to give FSU all sorts of problems up front, but, you know, probably be able to scheme up some things to get a player to here, but not enough to be able to score, score the points to beat this Notre Dame team. But this Notre Dame team has lost a lot of talent from last year. They lost all five of those uh, offensive linemen. They lost 16, I believe it is, total guys who are now on, uh, who signed NFL contracts. That's an awful lot to replace, even when you have a program basically running on autopilot like, uh, like Brian Kelly does. And they, of course, also lost Ian Book, who was a really critical player to their success uh, in the, year, the years that he was the starting quarterback. Uh, and not just because of his throwing ability. He was a good thrower, but really where he caused problems was with his feet. He did a lot of the same things, actually, that Mackenzie Milton did. Book was a similar player in a lot of ways to Mackenzie Milton when Milton was fully healthy, where you feel like you've got the, the whole play covered, and then all of a sudden, Book or Milton break the play down with their feet, and they're up the field, and they've, got, they've run for you know 13 yards and a first down. Or, oh, you've got everything covered, and he breaks contain and he holds on to it just a little bit longer and then he throws up field and he's got a guy wide open for a 23 yard gain and a first down. I mean, it's these sorts of things that uh, that those guys were able to do. And that's one of the things that really, even when, when Florida State was playing reasonably well against Notre Dame last year, uh, Book basically kept, the, kept Notre Dame from really ever being in danger because he was able to escape pressure, was able to uh, avoid 
bad negative plays and and keep them in uh, in good down and distance situations and uh, and in position to score. So that is a lot to lose. So Notre Dame's still more talented than Florida State, no doubt. But in terms of what they're bringing to the table, experience wise, in terms of you know some of the some of the positions that they were really good and gave Florida State the most trouble last year. They've lost some of those guys. So that does open the door for a Florida State team that should be better than they were last year. This is a team that should be able to execute the the system better than what they had in Mike Norvell's first year in a COVID year where they hadn't had the chance to really uh, work through everything as a team the way that you want to in spring and then in camp and all of these things. So now you've had a full season and a full off season to uh, to basically install your stuff and try to establish your culture and all of those things, this Florida State team should be a good bit better. And the Notre, this Notre Dame team is not going to be as good. They're going to be good, but they're not going to be as good as they were last year. You know, they lose four of their top six tacklers on defense. They're still going to be good, but you lose those guys, especially when they're legitimately good players, when they're really good players in, in a couple cases, you know, they, they lost a, a top linebacker who, you know, was also their best pass rusher and all sorts of other things. Th- there's a lot to replace. So that's kind of setting the stage. Plus it's also, go- it also goes from South Bend to Tallahassee and actually a Tallahassee where you're going to have sta- fans in the stands. Feel pretty good about that. And you scored 26 on the road last year. So, you know, again, this is one of those situations where you might feel like Lloyd Christmas, but you're saying, you know, at this point in the game, so you're saying there's a chance. And yeah, I do think there's a chance. Florida State, this Florida State team, in game one, with an intact offensive line, with nobody who's who's gone down on either side of the ball so far, all of your your major contributors are expected to play in this game. In that situation, you gotta you gotta puncher's chance in this game. So that's to sort of set the stage for where things are. Now we're gonna go ahead and take a look at each side of the ball. We're gonna start with Florida State on offense, Notre Dame on defense. This segment is brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can find her at Shen Real Estate. That's S H E N realestate.com. Tell her you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast. Best in the in the research triangle. I can tell you that from experience. She knows her business and uh, won't be outworked. So let her know you heard about her about her from us. All right. So looking at Florida State offensively last year, Florida State was going into the Notre Dame game, they were in an interesting spot. By that point, it was, it was evident that Tamori and Terry was not the player that he, that he was going to, that he was projected to be going into the year. They were settled into, to, uh, the Jordan Travis show at that point, he'd finally stepped forward and, and basically taken the ball and shown that he gave them the best chance to win, but they were not fully, you know, they hadn't fully seen what he was, what, what he was able to do there. So, and they went into that game against a Notre Dame team that senior-laden defense with some with some NFL studs that could basically handle all of Florida State's playmakers across the board, and they could handle Florida State up front. 
And that was that. Now, Florida State still managed to scheme up 26 points on the road. Now, if you look at the advanced box scores and all of that, was this game, should this game have been quite that close? No, but that kind of attests to how Mike Norvell called that game. They were able to steal a couple things. Question is, are you going to be able to do that two years in a row on the offensive side? Different defensive coordinator, but a guy you've seen before. Significantly different personnel. Are you going to be able to come in and have a few tricks up your sleeve? If Norvell does, you know, if he can squeeze out 10 extra points in this game just on the basis of smoke and mirrors, which to me, looking at this at this scenario, knowing that you're thin in terms of depth and all of that, and the further into the year you go, the better teams that you're playing against are going to are probably going to have more depth and it's going to be harder for you. This is a game where I'm actually, I'm pulling out the kitchen sink if I'm Mike Norvell. I want to win this game and I'm willing to basically show everything in order to win this game or nearly everything. Why? Because this changes the complexion of the season if you're, if you're able to win it. So is he going to be able to find a few things that, you know, this worked, this worked in 2018 against Freeman's defense. We'll, we'll, we'll put this in there and we'll just keep it in case there's a, a good scenario or, you know, there's this little, we, we've been working on this little trick play, you know, is there something that, that, that they can do to squeeze out a few extra points? That's something that, that I think is really worth watching in this game because again, Norvell has shown, he showed it last year that he does bring in a few extra little kitchen sink type things in those big games. They did against Notre Dame. They certainly did against UNC where, where he had something waiting on those guys, a little bit of a trap set for this or that to gain an extra score or two. And this is the game where if you can come out and do what you did against North Carolina and get a couple of those early things and get, and gain a 10 point lead initially, and then just try to hang on. If you can steal that stuff early, that's your best shot to win. The other thing on the, on, in terms of this matchup of the Florida state offense against Notre Dame defense that I'm, I'm really interested in watching is they've, they've been pretty zone heavy in recent years. And Freeman likes to put his corners on an Island. He likes to, to play aggressively and, and to bring pressure is Florida State going to be able to to win some matchups in one-on-one scenarios against a, a group of, of defensive backs, of, of corners in particular? they got a superstar at, at one safety. But is Florida State going to be able to, to handle those defensive backs to win, win some matchups against the corners in those one-on-one scenarios? Because they're going to have some one-on-one coverage with how Freeman calls the game. They're, they're going to bring... The other thing is they're going to bring some corner blitzes. They love to blitz blitz the corner off the edge, off the off the boundary side in particular. Are you going to be able to take advantage of some of those one-on-one shots? Are you going to be able to take advantage of, again, if Notre Dame's defense has a weakness that they're concerned about coming into this game, it's that cornerback position. Can you get, you know, can a parchment manage to win a couple of, of verticals that change the scoreboard? Can you get, maybe a player or two out of Helton that changes the scoreboard. Is it possible? That's, that's really where a lot of this game is going to, that's what it's going to, this game's going to hinge on. You're going to have to steal some stuff out there in those one-on-ones where their defense is, is probably the weakest. Now, of course, whoever the quarterback is, whoever's in there, one of the things that you're going to need to do if you're Florida state is you've got to find 14. 
Kyle Hamilton is, he might be the best safety in the country. Uh, he's basically linebacker size, runs like a, runs like a, a fast safety at the free safety position, actually can cover at his size. You basically just want to avoid giving him the opportunity to, to make a bunch of plays. I mean, you're talking. You don't want to give him a chance to to be a uh, a Sean, to have a Sean Taylor type performance in this. Going back to 2001 Miami, you don't want to give him a chance to have that kind of game, that kind of impact, because he's capable of it. So you find him, and I think one of the things that they're going to do a lot in this game is use him as the adjuster. So that's one of the things that that. Uh, that in the Mike Norvell offense that you do is you locate a guy who ends up being the guy that determines where your read is going to be. You find him and then you put him in a, in a bind and you, you work off of him so that you're never in a position where you're giving him a chance to make a play. So you put him in, you put him in, in conflict and try to basically just make sure that he's always wrong. It's one of the things you can do with an elite safety and, that helps if you it helps you make sure that you always know where he's at. I think you're going to see some of that. Now, one other thing, and this is something that I I focused on in the uh, in the film breakdown. One other thing that I expect to see a lot of, or two other things that I expect to see a lot of from Florida State facing this uh, this Notre Dame defense. I think you're going to see a lot of twelve personnel where you've got one back, two tight ends. And in particular, you're going to see some nub formations or some formations where both wide receivers, you got two tight ends on the field, and then both wide receivers are in twins to one side. And you're going to see sometimes a tight end with an H-back as a nub set so that there's nobody wide on that side. And other times you're going to see two tights where one tight end is to the nub side. Again, it's, there's nobody, nobody out wide outside that tight end. This is something that that Norvell has done a decent amount against Freeman's defenses in the past. He did this against uh, Cincinnati and managed to get some really big plays out of it. One of the things that he liked to do out of that is actually to put a guy like Gainwell, who is a, a running back, uh, at his at the quarterback position, and then run basically quarterback counter reads or uh, or quarterback sweeps out of that. Well, you don't have to put that put a, a running back at, at the position to be able to do that. When you've got Jordan Travis there, who's already your best running back. That's something I expect to see in this game is some nub sets where you've got a tight end or an H back as the end man on the line of scrimmage on the offensive side. And they're going to force the defense to figure out how they want to handle that on the edge. And in particular, they're going to try to get some Jordan Travis runs to that nub side. You'll do, you'll see that a lot to the boundary, but they'll even do it in the middle of the field. And I just think that from what I've seen, Norvell likes the way that Freeman has traditionally matched up in terms of the numbers there to be able to give him some some run-friendly looks, especially given the quarterback running game. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in this game. You're also going to see some emphasis on some overload-type screens, four guys on one side of the field, and you know one of those guys being a back and basically reading the box. Are they going to take that extra backer out there to handle the back? Or are they going to leave him in the in the box to handle the quarterback? If they leave him, you throw it out to the back, do some of that screen stuff. If they take him out of there, that now you have a one-on-one situation for Jordan Travis and potentially a big play. Again, these are the sorts of things that I'm expecting scheme-wise to see 
from Mike Norvell against this against this uh, new Notre Dame uh, defensive coordinator and and new scheme that they're running. So, all that said, Notre Dame up front is pretty good. You got two defensive ends that are that you got to pay attention to in uh, Tungavaloa Amosa, good player, ninety five. Their best pass rusher is Isaiah Foskey. Florida State's going to have to know where he's at. And you know he's he's got some speed, can handle can handle himself as a pass rusher. That's the big concern there, given your offensive line situation. But I think again they're going to be in twelve personnel. They're going to be in a lot of of two tight situations in this ball game, which should help against some of that. As long as they're okay up front on the interior, I think they're going to have some time to throw. It's just a matter of whether they're able to make those throws and win some of those matchups downfield. So that summarizes sort of the offensive side of the ball question is what kind of things can be expected in terms of yards per play, in terms of points gained, all of that. I think this is one of those unknown games. Like it's an especially unknown game. It's really going to be hard to project. But I think Florida State can go six yards per play, maybe 6.2 yards per play in this game. That's your success point. If they're able to do that against Notre Dame. They're able to stay in this game. Question is, are they going to be able to create a few big plays to catch a cheapie or two. And, you know, they're going to have to score probably 31 plus to win this game. You look at last year's game that, that that's, that was about, that was about right. They scored 21 last year. They, um, they, you know, were still really not, you never got the feeling in that game that they were going to beat Notre Dame. So let's go ahead and flip to the defensive side of the ball. This is where I think it's going to get especially interesting given what Florida State's bringing to the table and all the new new faces and everything, uh, position changes and, and all sorts of, of things there. It's going to be a very, very different game on that side of the ball. Before we, but before we break that down, this segment is brought to you by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. The best of the business out there in Jacksonville. Information's in the show notes. Tell them you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. And if you're a realtor in another area and you're sending people to the Jacksonville area, definitely refer them to Lewis as well. Let them know again you heard him heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. So on the offensive side, Notre Dame last year really was, they were built around two things. And that is a group of five seniors on the offensive line. And it was one of the top two offensive lines in the country. I mean, they were just absolutely dominant along with Ian Book behind him, where Book was the guy where if anything did go wrong up front, his feet basically kept it from being a problem. And he was a bit of a magician back there to create plays, even though maybe not the best thrower from the pocket. They're a completely different offense than that this year. First of all, they had to replace all those offensive linemen. Now they're doing it with a bunch of guys that can play. But you got you got a true freshman at left tackle. If I'm Mike Norvell, if I'm uh, Adam Fuller, I'm wanting to see whether that that uh, that freshman is going to be able to handle. In particular, I'm going to try to get some some pressure off with with Johnson there. I want to see what he can do. I'm gonna I'm gonna force him to handle some twists. I'm gonna force him to handle some uh, s- some games and some blitzes up front. How well is he going to be able to handle things mentally, not just physically, but mentally? Can I, you know, again, sneak a loss or two in here just based on scheme and based on who I put over him? That's something I'm going to try to do in the opener. 
You know, you're glad that you're, you're that you're getting him in the opener. You don't want to get a guy that's that talented seven games in the season where he's basically a sophomore. You want to get him in game one where maybe there's a couple mistakes. Maybe you're able to get a blindside rush where you're able to get a strip sack. And again, that changes the game. So that's one place where they're very different. Offensive line, they're going to be good. They're very well coached. The culture in the offensive line room is excellent. They replaced one guy, uh, one, one of their guards. They're replacing with Madden, who is a uh, Kane Madden, who's a uh, All-American from uh, All-American transfer from Marshall. And you're looking at a guy that can play. I mean, oh, wow, you lost an NFL draft pick at that position. Here's an All-American to replace him. Yeah, he was an All-American in a non-Power 5 conference, but still an All-American, still a guy that can play. So they're still going to be good. And they've got some running backs that can... Kyron Williams, is the guy can fly, he can burn. So you're going to see some stuff offensively that's going to give Florida State some problems. The other place where they're really different is... At the quarterback position, you got Jack Cohn, who, again, last year, you had a quarterback who was a bit of a magician with his feet. This year, with Cohn, you have the opposite. This is a guy who, he, he was a Wisconsin quarterback last year, and basically, he's more similar to a guy like Mac Jones from Alabama. He's a statue back there, bigger guy, and is just basically going to sit back there, try to move around in the pocket a little bit, but not not move much, and basically just throw downfield. Now, he's a better downfield thrower than what they had last year in Ian Book. Stronger arm, was able to you know throw consistently last year. 151.6, or 151.76 passing efficiency last year. That's more than respectable put in perspective, Milton went before, before the injury in 2018 was 161.0. So 151.76 is more than respectable. Almost 70% completion percentage. He's going to locate the ball well, and he gets the ball out quickly. So different from Ian Book. Ian Book is going to hold it a little bit longer and is going to cause you all sorts of problems by doing stuff where you lock down the concept and all of a sudden he's off of He's off book. All of a sudden, he's he's working outside the confines of the design, and he creates a play that kills you. Cone is not going to do that. The longest run of his career is 25 yards. You know, he averages what 0.4 yards per carry. Not, not, not a guy that's really a threat to run. But last year, 18 touchdowns, five picks. Not putting the ball in danger. Gets the ball out quickly. Locates it well consistent. So he's going to demand that Florida State cover. And of course, they've got arguably the best tight end in the country to match up against Florida State's biggest defensive weakness, and that is the, the linebacker position. And given Cone, he, he may just drop back and just play pitch and catch with Michael Mayer. That's 87 at tight end. And they basically are growing NFL tight ends on trees there. I mean, George Tukats is uh, uh, is a really good player behind him. They've got they've got players at the at the uh, at the tight end position, and you're going to see a lot of too tight type stuff from them as well. You're going to see play action, find the tight end. Play action, find the tight end. Florida State's going to have to find ways to create coverage given those matchups between their linebackers and the tight end position. 
And they're going to have to find ways to get pressure on Cone. Not going to be the easiest thing, given that you have some players up front that are good players. They're you know not the fifth-year senior types that they had last year, but you got enough good players up front that Florida State's going to have their hands full on their defensive line. Best the best thing coming in is that you look at the at the wide receiver position and you go, you know, Kevin Austin, Avery Davis, not um, not di- not as dynamic, not as uh, not as much of a big play threat on the outside as what you might be afraid of. If I'm Adam Fuller, one of the things I'm trying to do, I'm wanting to see if my corners, if the guys that I'm sticking out there this year, can those guys single cover those outside receivers? Can I put Travis J on the boundary and just say, you know what, cover that guy and maybe commit the safety, the boundary safety to come downhill a little bit more and be an extra backer and be able to cover the tight end a little bit, play some robber. If I can do that, I, I'm starting to feel pretty good about having a chance to slow slow this Notre Dame offense down given where their strengths are. And, you know, they're, in some sense, doing Florida State a favor by slowing the game down and trying to play basically uh, bully ball. They're going to try to run the football and play and, and go play action. It's, you know, sort of your traditional Notre Dame offense. That's what they're going to do. So, to me, a couple things to watch for in this game. Are they able... in? any way to find a way to stop the tight end or to limit the tight ends damage against the linebackers and safeties. <laughs> that's, that's number one. Number two, are they able with their corners is Florida state able with Brownlee and Jay on the outside and also Jerry and Jones getting some time. And you know, with uh, they'll, they'll probably be in bigger personnel more in this game than they will be the remainder of the year. But with, you know, Jamie Robinson and some of these other guys, are they going to be able to single cover without getting, without giving up, without getting gashed in the, in the passing game so that they can put attention in the running game? If they can do that, are they going to be able to limit the running game enough to, to stay, to hang with this, this Notre Dame team? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to dare them to beat me over the top and to beat me one-on-one with my corners. And I'm going to try to get aggressive with them and walk those corners up get their hands on the wide receivers, and let's see what happens. I'm going to take that approach in this game because I feel like my athletes might be able to hang with their with their receivers, and I've got to be able to get an extra guy in the box to be able to stop what they're doing in the running game. Given what they've got up front, given that tight end, I've got to put more attention in the box and in the middle of the field. I've got to win those outside matchups. That, to me, is is critical to this game. So are they going to be able to get some wins on the edge against the the new young tackle to get some pressure? And can they win at the outside wide receivers to basically turn this into a situation where they're plus one on the inside? If they can do that, they'll be hanging with them. So that brings us then to the summary part of the podcast. And this part of the podcast brought to you by Garage Makeovers, the best garage remodeling company in South Florida. The information there is on the show in the show notes. If you want to get, if you want to have the the garage that's the envy of your of your neighborhood, so that you you know you might want to leave that garage door open a little bit, just to just so others can see what's going on when you're when they're driving by. Give Garage Makeovers a call if you live in South Florida. Let them know. Let them know where you heard about them. All right. So when I look at this game, 
and I didn't give a, a yards per play situation for Notre Dame. Uh, looking at it, let's see, last year they were 8.27 yards per play <laughs> behind 353 rushing yards. They were basically able to run it as they pleased. A lot of big plays in that game. Look at 8.4 yards per play on the ground. That's look, if they're able to run like that in this game, it's gonna have, it's gonna be the same result. They'll score over 40 points, and you know, that's that. I think you're looking at probably being able to limit them. This Notre Dame offense against this Florida State defense, you're probably looking at under, say, six and a half yards per play given up would be a win for this Florida State defense, would be would be success, I think, for this Florida State defense in terms of, you know, you're two yards per play better than last year. That's what you're, uh, that's it, I think, would be a reasonable kind of goal and hope coming in. Do I think they'll quite get there? Probably not. I think, I think Cone and the, and the Notre Dame offense are going to probably be closer, you know, somewhere between 6.5 and 7 yards per play. But you look at the difference there. I've got Florida State at about 6.2 yards per play. Notre Dame at about, you know, let's say 6.8 yards per play, 6.7 yards per play. Within a half yard per play there, that puts this game in a situation where you get a turnover, you get a special teams play, you get, you know, a couple key bounces, and you win the game. Do I think Florida State should be favored? Do I expect Florida State to win this game? No, I don't. But it's a game that I think is going to be closer than a lot of people might expect. I, I think Florida State may well cover in this game. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to project this as a score of something like let's say 34 to 20. I'll go 34 to 31 in this game. Notre Dame comes out on top, but this very well could go the other way. I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think Florida State will. Uh, will show some significant improvement over last year, and Notre Dame's not quite the team that they were. But I, I'm just not willing at this point, given, given the last few years, I'm not willing to project a win in this game. So I'm going to say this is about a 45% chance for Florida State of winning this game. I'm going to give Notre Dame a 55% odds of winning. And again, that makes me more bullish on on this uh, on this game for Florida State than I think a lot of people are. But I still sort of wind up with the with the same end result. I think Florida State is most likely going to lose this game. But if they win it, that'd be a really good sign about this coaching staff and about the direction of the program. So looking forward to talking to y'all on Sunday night with the first Hot Takes podcast of the 2021 season. Until then, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and The Unconquered Podcast Shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. As well as Jonathan Kennedy and Tyler Kashishki. 
This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>